Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Well, we have been talking about how we can experience Christ together, and our first message was on worship. Then last week we talked about life groups. Uh, I know we uh, had the ice day last week. So if you've not listened to that message, go online and listen to that. And then today we're going to be talking about serving together. Um, you know, the Lord's Prayer, at the very center of Jesus's prayer, the Lord's Prayer, it is actually what should be the center of your life, of a Christian's life. That's where he says, your kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when that prayer, when Jesus's prayer becomes your prayer, then you discover the reason for your life. When you start praying, God, your kingdom come in my life, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. That here on earth, I'll do what pleases you. In fact, you know, serving is actually a spiritual discipline. You know, when it comes to the spiritual gifts and the fruit of the spirit, you don't just say, hey, I don't have that giftedness, therefore I'm not responsible. You know, it's kind of like if you don't have the gift of giving, that doesn't mean, oh, I don't ever have to give. I don't have that gift. And it doesn't work that way, you know, or I don't have the gift of help, so that doesn't mean you never have to help anybody. Uh, so y- you are to actually practice a lot of those things, but you zero it in on what your spiritual gift is. But So serving is a spiritual discipline. L- listen to what Jesus said. And this is going to be the foundation of what we're talking about today. Jesus said, you know the rulers of this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. I don't know what he's talking about. Do you not see? We see this all the time, right? I mean, we see this in our politics. Uh, we see people who clamor for authority, and then they want to say, hey, you can't question me. I'm the one in authority. But among you, talking about believers now, among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Must be. Not an option. Must be your servant. Whoever wants to be a leader must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. Just the total opposite of thinking. For even the Son of Man, and that was Jesus' favorite title of himself, identifying with his humanity, even the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, came not to be served, even though if anybody had a right to demand that, it was certainly Jesus. In fact, He could have forced that, but he humbly did not. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, even to the point that he gave his life as a ransom for many. So if Jesus came to serve, how much more so has that got to be true for us? 
But here's the pattern. He's basically revealing a pattern here. You have God's way, God's truth, and then you have the world's way and the world's truth. And nothing has really changed since the garden when sin first came into the picture. God said, eat from that, you'll die. Satan says, you'll not die. (laughs) That's not going to happen. You'll be like God. How did that work out? And, and, and so Satan takes all of God's ways and all of God's truth, and he perverts it. He warps it. And that's why the Bible says that in those, in those days, in those last days, people will say what is good is really bad and what is bad is really good. Are we living in those days? Absolutely. And, and so, in fact, God is... God is so precise about life, male and female. He's precise about it. Luke chapter 22, Jesus said, but among you, it will be different. Among us, it should always be different. Those who are the greatest among you should, be, should take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like a servant. A leader should be like a servant. I mean, I remember one, one Sunday, uh, something had spilled somewhere. On, it was in between services. And so I went and got a mop and I was cleaning it up. And somebody, you know, one of the guys came up and said, you shouldn't be doing that. I said, no, I, <laughs> of all people, I should be doing this. I mean, why, why can't I get my hands dirty? I mean, this is being pretty biblical right now. So, you know how to spot a fake? The individual who wants status, who wants position, who wants power, who wants control, none of which will last. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Satan tries to get you to buy into his things, his goods that he's trying to sell you. And everything that he tries to sell you has a, has a expiration date on it. None of it lasts, but what Jesus gives us lasts for eternity. And the things that he tells us to do last for eternity and serving others last for eternity. There's rewards that go with that rewards that we get when we go to heaven, that we get to turn around and give it right back to God for his glory. I mean, the motivation for me is to get as many rewards as I can from God's definition just so I can give it right back to him for his glory. So the question then is, why should I serve? And uh, why is that so important? Well, let me go through a couple of things. Number one, I was created for service. You were created for service. In in Ephesians 2.10, It says, for we are God's masterpiece. That means we were the height of his creation. We were the pinnacle of his creation. We were the only part of creation that had the image of God placed in us. So you are God's masterpiece. And he he has created us anew. Now that's an interesting statement. He created us, we were his masterpiece, but then he created us anew 
Well, what happened in between is something called sin. I mean, God gave you your life, and sin came and messed that up. But you're God's masterpiece, and he did not give up on you. And he loved you enough he sent his son to die for you. And when you understand that and accept that and you ask Jesus to come into your life, he created you anew. In other words, he made you a new creation, a whole new creature. He says he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So for the purpose of, the why of, we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. You see, you, you were made for his purpose. You were made for service. Skin, sin came in and messed it all up. But Jesus made you a brand new person for the purpose of having fellowship with God. And part of that fellowship with God is learning to serve, to do the good things that he has called you to do, the things that he actually planned for your life before you existed. So he created you. He had a purpose and plan for you. Sin messed up that plan. You pray to receive Christ. He made you anew so that you can get back on the plan, the purpose that he has for your life. You see, um, you still have the memories, the shadows of that old self. That's why sin can still mess with you sometimes. But it's just a shadow. You have a choice to pay attention to it or not. In fact, we're told as creatures of Christ, as creations of Christ, as being a new person in Christ, we, we can choose to say no to sin. We have the freedom to say no. In Romans 7, he says, so my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. <clears throat> I always thought that was an interesting phrase. I died with Christ. Did God take me back to the cross and put me there with Jesus and I died with him? And then did he bury me with Jesus only to raise me? Well, spiritually, I think that's what happened. I died with Jesus to sin because of my sin, but Jesus died in my place so that I could be raised to new life in him. <clears throat> and, and you see, if I don't accept Christ, then I will die to my sins, but I, I'm not um, coming back to go to heaven. I'm coming back for punishment, eternal punishment. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead, and that was Jesus. As a result, because of all of this, we can produce, you can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. 
as a result of being a believer, here's what I can do now, and here's the reason I do it. I can do the good things that he planned out for my life before I was ever born, and my motivation is it's for the glory of God. So now my life has whole new meaning and whole new purpose. It's not about me. It's not about me accumulating what I want and having what I want. It's about God's plan for my life. And I spend my life doing the things that last for eternity. When the world wants you to buy into a a bunch of stuff that stops the moment your heart stops. I mean, I, I, I thought about... This past year, you know, a lot of big name people who had lots of stuff passed away this past year. I mean, some people who were billionaires and had all the stuff. And the moment their their heart stopped beating, that stuff became somebody else's stuff. It ceased to exist for them. I don't want that. You see, Christ gives us a whole new way of thinking. I get to do the things that is passed on for eternity. The things that will last for eternity. And then when I get to heaven, I just get to worship God that much more by giving those rewards to him for his glory. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. Well, that really sums it up. Uh, Another reason why we should serve is when I serve others, I'm actually serving God. Uh, That's the truth, reality. Colossians 3, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord. So that's a motivation, that's an attitude, that's a focus on what really matters. So I'm working for the Lord. Rather than for people, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. And that the master you are serving is Christ. Hmm. So everything that I do, I do it for the glory of God. That's just an attitude change. You know, sometimes the best witness you have at work is that as a believer, you work harder than anybody else. But if your fellow employees and your boss, they see you and you're lazy and you're a sloth, you're always late, you do your work halfway, they don't want to hear about your faith because they're not impressed with your life. In Matthew 25, listen to what Jesus said. I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are doing it to me. That's an attitude change as well. So whenever I'm doing something for someone who, you know, it is easy to serve people that you love, right? It's just easy. My goodness, it is not easy to serve the people that are hard to love. The ones that get on your last nerve, the ones that are a pain. It's not easy to serve them, but Jesus wants you to understand something. Hey, I don't love you any more than I love that person. I died for them as well. 
And so when you serve that unloving person, that hard to love person, you're actually serving me. And whatever you do to them, you're doing it to me. Wow, that's a real shift. So why else should I serve? Well, number three, serving is the best use of my life. Uh, 1 Corinthians, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Immovable in your faith, immovable in your purpose, immovable in God's word and truth. He says, always work enthusiastically. So that's an attitude again. We're seeing a lot about attitude in here. Enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. It's eternal. <clears throat> and you see, if you become movable in God's word, then maybe what you do becomes useless. You see, if you're easily shifted by the world's way of thinking because you're unsure what Scripture says, I mean, sometimes, the, really, the only battle tool you have to fight against the world's way of thinking is the truth of Scripture. And when you don't know the truth of Scripture, well, you're set up and you become movable. You're easy, easily shifted. Why else should I serve? Well, serving allows me to give more. I'm sorry, I skipped one. Number four, serving gives my life meaning. Serving gives my life meaning. Mark chapter eight, here's Jesus again. If you try to hang on to your life, guess what? You're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. So what he's saying is, hey, as long as you're living for you, you're going to lose it. So if you're living for status, if you're living for position, if you're living for wealth, if you're living for looks, well, guess what? You're going to lose it. Somebody said to me one time, say, hey, pastor, you know, you could look like one of those really cool preachers on TV if you just wore T-shirts. I said, well, number one, they got the body for that. Number two, I've got the body for it. I've just covered it up in some other layers. So no, I'm not going to do that. But here's the deal. Everything this world has to offer, status, position, wealth, looks, whatever, it's going to go away. But everything that I give up for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of the gospel, that lasts. Now, when he says you will save it, listen, he's not talking about that's your salvation. You don't earn your salvation. There are some people that will knock on your door to want to tell you about their faith. And, you know, and to be honest with you, they're not there because they really care about you. They're there because they're trying to save themselves. Because they believe that their works is what saves them. And they take a verse like this and totally misuse it. This verse is not saying you will save yourself and that you will earn salvation, but rather your life is going to have meaning and purpose and it will be saved for eternity in these things that you do when you live for the Lord because you stopped living for yourself. Now, another reason why I should serve, number five, 
Serving allows me and you to give more glory to God. You remember when we started this series, we talked about it was all about giving glory to God. All glory is for him, period. Here's what Jesus said. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. Because my servants must be where I am. Not just physically, but attitude-wise. I need to think the way Jesus thinks. I need to act the way Jesus acts. I, I, need, I need to have the values that Jesus has. And then Jesus said, and the Father, God the Father, will honor anyone who serves me. So when I serve others, I'm actually serving God and I give more glory to God. Because Jesus said, when I do this, I, I am actually, God is going to honor me for serving. And that gives me rewards that, that I can give back for his glory. So it allows me, serving allows me to give more glory to God. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. That's what Jesus said. Is he telling the truth? You know, whenever you read the words of Jesus, you probably should ask yourself, do I really believe this? Is Jesus a liar or is he telling me the truth? And then you adjust your life accordingly. Number six, <clears throat> why else should I serve? I can see serving as an opportunity, not an obligation. Well, a lot of people do their Christian stuff out of a sense of obligation, something you check off. In fact, some, sometimes you do that with your quiet time. It's just, I got, I got to do my quiet time. I got to check it off because I want God to be happy with me. Wouldn't it be better that I just want to spend time with God? I just want to spend time with Jesus. I want to get my marching orders for the day. You see, I, I serve because it's an opportunity. It's a privilege. When we, um, I, I remember, well, I remember when uh, we first started going to uh, the former Soviet Union when it, uh, st the wall came down and the Soviet Union broke apart. Bill and I went, went to, started going to Moldova. And uh, I remember the first time, Bill, when we would go into the churches there. And I want to tell you, when they had their worship time, it was depressing. I mean, all their hymns were in minor keys. Nobody smiled. I mean, it was just like, there was no energy, no joy whatsoever. It was just, ugh, you know, and it's like, wow, they're not happy about anything. And then I remember one time I was speaking at, at a church uh, outside the Capitol, and um, I was sitting there with my interpreter, and I noticed a guy in the choir was looking around and taking notes, and, and I asked my interpreter, I said, what's, what's that guy doing? Oh, he's doing the attendance. He's checking to see who's there. And the church was packed. And I said, well, that's good. He said, no, you don't understand. If you miss three Sundays in a row, you lose your salvation. Wow. All right, where's my pen? We're going to start taking a tent. No, I mean, it's like, well, that, that makes people come. But that's an obligation. 
especially if your attendance at church is tied to your salvation. That was such horrible theology. And I said, well, no wonder they're not happy. No wonder there's no joy on their face. <clears throat> you know, they're just obligated. They're doing this obligation. And, and so we have the freedom to serve the Lord, and it's an opportunity. So we started teaching them some happy hymns <laughs> and that made, you know, that, that make you start, you know, tapping your toes. And I remember the first time we got them to clap hands, and you'd have thought Jesus was going to come back right then. I mean, it was, it was nuts. Psalms 102, worship, and you could also say serve there. Some translations use the word serve. Worship, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. That means get your life out of the minor keys. Be excited that you get to serve him. Be excited that you have the privilege and the opportunity to serve the God of the universe. Be excited the fact that he made it, that you can have a relationship with him. Be excited that you don't have to fear death. You don't have to wonder what's going to happen when you die. You don't have to think about it. Mary is spending a lot of time with her mother up in Greensboro because, you know, things are kind of coming to its end. And then my mom's husband, um, <clears throat> you know, his life is um, coming to the end. And they're both, they're both believers. And they're both ready. It's kind of like, yeah, I'm ready to go. And I'm sitting there going, man, a lot of times, we, we spend a lot of time praying people out of heaven. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we need to pray that they're their transition to heaven will be sweet and special, which it will be. Come before him with singing, with great joy. First Timothy, uh, Paul says this, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, and he did that through the Holy Spirit. And when you pray to receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. So you could say this about yourself who has given me strength. God has given you strength to do his work. See, that's an attitude change. It's all his work, his purpose for your life. Before you were born, remember, God set some plans for you. And so when you're living for those plans, you could say this, Lord, uh, I thank you that you have given me the strength to do your work in my life. He considered me trustworthy, not because he deserved it. He did that because of Jesus and appointed me to serve him. And guess what? Every single one of us have been appointed. When you pray to receive Christ, you, you got new marching orders. You had a whole new purpose for living. And, and get this, Paul said, even though I used to be, I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. He cursed the name of Jesus, Paul did. In my insolence, my arrogance, I persecuted his people. And some of them wound up being martyred. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. I know some of you think, Pastor, you have no idea what I've done before. There's no way God 
can use me. Well, I want to tell you, that's a lie that you have bought into. And Satan is telling you that lie. Satan whispers in your ears, who are you? Don't you remember what you did in high school? Don't you remember the way you partied in college? Don't you remember the things that you've done? Well, don't you remember what you did last week? Don't you remember that horrible attitude you had this morning? Who are you to think God would use somebody like you? That's a lie. And, and Paul, if anybody was not qualified, it would have been Paul. But there's one thing that made him qualified. He said yes to Jesus. So that's what you do. You say yes to Jesus. Now, the Holy Spirit is not your genie in the bottle. You just rub the lamp and genie comes out and gives you what you want. That's not, that's not the way he works. He is the source of your life. He's in the driver's seat. And he's got the GPS, and he controls it. So my question to you, are, are you ignorant about God's word? Because if you are, it's going to result in unbelief. Because you will live by emotions and the world's opinion. I'll just do a little side note here. I don't fret and I don't lose sleep one bit over the politics of our country. I don't fret and I don't lose sleep over the politicians of our country. I just don't. And the reason I don't is I'm on the team that wins. I know how the game's gonna end. Because God's given us the playbook. And I've read the last chapter. And we win. So I don't fret about any of those things. I can focus on what matters. Things that matter for eternity. And I can focus all of my energy and all of my thoughts and all of my prayers on the things that last for eternity, and that is serving God, fulfilling his purpose in my life, doing the good deeds that he planned for my life before I was ever born. And that's why I can serve him. One last reason why I should serve and why you should serve. I can be motivated by what God thinks and not what others think. In Galatians 1, it says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my gold, I would not be Christ's servant. Now, that's an absolute statement, which means it's impossible to do both. I cannot live to please people and be Christ's servant. It's impossible. You love one and you hate the other. You cannot serve both. And here's the deal. You got to learn real quick about people. You do things so that they'll think well of you. Guess what? They're not thinking of you anyway. They're only thinking about themselves. So forget that and focus on living 
as Christ's servant, pleasing Jesus. And then you start, your life starts living based on truth, not the world's wishy-washy opinions that is always changing and the value system is always changing. So let's do a little attitude check as we wrap this up. In your life, does God get the credit or do you have the attitude of, hey, look at me. Look at my trophies. Look at my accomplishments. Or does God get all the credit? Another attitude check. Humility versus pride. You got to check that one. Another one. Are you a peacemaker or a troublemaker? If you're living for God and for his purposes, you're always going to be a peacemaker. But if you're living for yourself, you're going to be a troublemaker because you think it's all about you and you're going to get upset with anybody that gets in your way. And you're a troublemaker. You know, I remember when I made a decision to give God the deed of my life and, and made a decision to do whatever he wanted me to do. And I was a freshman in college and when I told my Christian friends that I was not going down this road anymore, but I was going down a new road and I was going to go into the ministry, they were the biggest discouragers in my life. My Christian friends, they thought I was crazy because they knew how passionate I was about the other. And some of them tried to talk me out of it. Some of them tried to tell me, I think you heard God wrong. So I had to choose God or my best friends. That was hard. But then it wasn't. Because I was living to please God and not my best friends. last one attitude check faithful or absentee if you're serving if that's a core spiritual value in experiencing Christ together then you're going to be faithful and not absentee one last verse 1 Corinthians 4 2 now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. You've got to be faithful. And God's given you the power to do that with his Holy Spirit. So is the center prayer of the Lord's prayer, the center of your life, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my life here on earth as it is in heaven? Is that at the core of who you are? God, your will be done right here, right now, while I'm here on earth? Let's pray.